expensive and uh, I'm doing this in a kitchen and it fucking reverb everywhere so pots and pans and shit like that just making noise uh, but I I thought I would uh, make a wee thing fucking podcast or whatnot just to show you my stories my wee stories eh? so yeah I'm going to try and do a few of these just with some stories that I've got kicking about um Maybe try and do it on a semi-regular basis, but fuck knows, I know what I'm like, so I guess we'll have to see about that. But, yeah, anyway, without uh, further ado, I'm going to introduce my first story, which is called If You Just Smile. Ed hadn't felt much reason to smile recently. But sat there across his older brother and his fiancée, he felt it bubbling up of its own volition. There he was, grinning like a salesman as she showed off her engagement ring. He was happy for them, of course. He loved his brother and his soon-to-be sister-in-law, but happiness was an emotion he'd become estranged from, and he developed an allergy to jovial and celebratory occasions. Can you believe it? she asked. She was staring at her ring like a mother looking into the eyes of her firstborn. No, I can't he said, finding himself still unable to lower his smile. He couldn't believe he was still smiling. The dinner was quite delightful in the face of it. The newly betrothed had that morning sun glow to them with eyes for the future. Ed had seen far too many relationships turn from those beautiful mornings to overcast, drizzly evenings with a quickness. But he thought it best not to say. Instead he drank with them and even made a short toast. To the best couple I know, I hope so it works now, he said all the while he was still smiling. He was finding it hard to speak, as his tongue and mouth wouldn't contort to their natural shapes to sound out the words. The smile wouldn't allow it. So we ended it after the opening line, feeling was beginning to look like a ventriloquist. Then after the slight dip in mood from his toast, his older brother announced that Ed was to be the best man at the wedding. They embraced in a hug, and Ed accepted this lovely gesture from his brother. In truth, he felt terrified about the responsibility of it and he would much rather his brother gave it to his best friend whom he thought was sure to get it anyway. But you wouldn't be able to tell this, not by the smile that had been hoisting up on Ed's face, ear to ear and seemingly as sincere as those across the table. And then later that night, Ed stood before his mirror, baffled by the man smiling back at him. Inside, Ed felt the same emptiness he had for years now, but the man he was looking at wore the most sincere smile he'd ever seen. He began pulling at his face to try and return it to normal pulling every which way he could, but he couldn't. He went to bed with sharp pains in his cheeks. Two days later, Ed's jaw and cheeks were having intense cramps. He'd been able to lower his smile and everyday things such as eating, drinking, talking and sleeping had become a task. He was even having trouble thinking now, as he had such searing pain in his jaw. More than this, while his brother and soon-to-be sister-in-law were delighted to see him looking so happy, it started to cause problems in his work. When you're dealing with customers in the bereavement department of a bank, executive accounts and the likes, your colleagues may think it odd that you're smiling well on the phone to a young man who's just lost his father. Excuse me, Ed, his manager asked, lightfootedly approaching him like a scared cat to a stranger. Is everything okay? Your colleague's a little worried and so am I. Ed didn't mind this. He knew his colleagues thought of him as a curious guy and he was quite content with this. 
I'm fine being the unknowable pariah on the outside looking in, he thought. He assured his manager everything was fine, but that he felt his jaw might have locked or something. He'd at first considered this to be the truth of what was happening, but it wasn't just the lower half of his face that was smiling anymore. His eyes were beaming with positivity and joy. And despite his colleagues' opinions now, the pain had become unbearable. And so Ed visited his doctor on the Wednesday morning. The plump tomato of a man sat squeezed into his chair behind the desk. Ed had always found him infuriating ever since he told him that running would help him with his moods. How much running do you do, you fat slob? He thought to himself. More than that, Ed always hated how he tried to force feed him medications like he was trying to coax a small child out of a tantrum with sweeties. It's good to see you with a smile on your face, the doctor said smugly, adjusting his fat thighs and buttocks in the chair. Have you been getting more exercise? Ed tried his best not to think about stabbing him in the eye with one of the pens on the doctor's desk. Actually, he said, struggling to sound out the words through his smile. That's why I'm here, doctor. Oh, do go on. The doctor rolled forwards in his chair with intrigue in his eyes. I think I may have my jaw or done something to the muscles in my face because I, I can't seem to move it from this position. The doctor seemed to look around the room as if the answer to the question might have been scribbled on the walls or the ceiling, but he failed to understand. After 20 minutes of poking and prodding his face, the doctor hurried him out the door with a prescription for painkillers. Now take one of these every day, every four hours, and no more than four in a day. Good to see you doing better though, Ed. Ed found the painkillers useful in doing what they said in the tin, but there was no change to the grinning. In fact, his smell had become even more pronounced, bordering on manic. This was in stark contrast to the drowsy, lethargic feelings that were living within him. So when he asked for time off his work because he was struggling to focus and he was feeling exhausted, his manager met him with a look of disbelief. This was fair because there he was beaming like a new bulb, and yet he was claiming to be unfit for work. One weekend, a few weeks later, Ed went to his brother's home for a few drinks to celebrate their engagement. To save himself suffering in agony, he took a number of the painkillers, perhaps too many, before he got into the taxi to the flat. When he got there, the couple and all their friends were so excited to see Ed in such a great mood. Inside, he felt like a body losing blood, but on the outside, he was bright and engaging. He had now started to notice that, even though he couldn't think of anything to say, something else was speaking for him, having jokes, flirting, and altogether being a delightful guest. And at times, he could almost swear he was watching someone else impersonating him. Everyone, he announced in the middle of the room, let's have a toast to, to the happy couple. May the life be full of love and laughter. He had no intention of saying this, and he'd never been uncomfortable in the spotlight, but there he was, doing it. Without thinking, he was on his feet and speaking, but this only exhausted him more inside. By the end of the night, the painkillers had started to wear off, and Ed got a taxi home. He stood there in front of the mirror, furious with the man in the glass. The fuck are you smiling at? He repeatedly shouted. The man just smiled back until, unable to take his own reflection, he shattered the mirror with his fists. Ed had got to his breaking point. He felt betrayed by himself. Inside he was dying an unmiraculous death, but on the outside he was winning the life of a man fully satisfied and hopeful. Then, when his thoughts returned to that dark end of the alley where they had gone in previous years, he thought it best to go back to the doctor. Ed knew that seeing the doctor vindicated when he asked for treatment would set his skin crawling, but he had no choice. Oh, I thought you were against this, Ed. What was it? A way of feeling nothing for people who have everything. You know, this treatment has helped a lot of people, the doctor said. I know, Ed said, swallowing the embarrassment of his own comments. So the tough it out, strong and silent approach isn't working? He asked with his eyes shining with smug satisfaction. 
and then he continued to press the issue, setting Edge cringing each time he reminded him of an ill-informed comment he'd made before. Eventually, Ed could take it no more and left out the office without the prescription. Just have to get on with it, he thought. And now a year later, he sits on the edge of his bed. His suit hangs, dry cleaned and pressed in the wardrobe. But he can't bring himself to get dressed. He no longer feels the pain in his jaw. He's numb now to most of everything in his face. But his smile is brighter than ever. See, about a week ago, Ed went to see a new doctor who gave him his medication without the condensation and judgement to wash it down with that he'd been given before. At first he didn't notice anything, but sitting here at the end of the bed, he's beginning to feel something. Not better, but something. Still, he can't bring himself to get dressed into his suit. It's become agony to be around anyone now. Every party is a life and soul. When he's at work, he's the go-to guy, but inside, when he's alone, he's truly himself, in pain and tired. He looks at his suit, wishing he could stand up and put it on. He wants to be the life and soul of the wedding today. He wants to be there for his brother. He wants to charm everyone, to dance, to sing, to live and love. He wants to be the person doing it. He wants the person doing it to be him. So exhausted, he lays back on his bed and sighs a deep sigh. The air keeps on coming out of him, deflating him down to nothing. He feels his whole essence escaping from his mouth, and then his smile falls. Every part of his face convulses and pulsates as it regains its natural shape. And then he watches himself get changed into his suit. He watches himself tie his tie, fix his hair in the mirror, smiling naturally. He watches himself polish his shoes before sliding them on. He watches himself standing one last time to check his own reflection in the mirror. And then he watches himself leave for the wedding. He lays back down in the bed and sighs. That was bloody cheery, wasn't it? Um, but I promise the next week's one won't be quite as, I don't know, melancholy. Oh, to be honest, no, my stories, quite a lot of them are kind of like that. But uh, I always kind of worry about that one. It's like, it seems like I'm making some kind of point about medication. Or, I don't know. I'm I'm really not. If people want to take medication, it's good for them. They should take it. If they don't agree with it, they don't need to. But I always kind of worry about that with that story. But uh, anyway, uh, yeah, I hope you enjoyed that. I'm going to do another one of these, hopefully within the next week or two. Um, I think I'm going to do a story called Hoovering Up Jim, which basically starts with a, a woman emptying her husband out of the recycling bin. So, yeah, <laughs> probably just as melancholy now I think about it. Um, but yeah, so if you want to listen to this shit again, just come back and let me know if you enjoy it or whatnot. I'm just going to call this uh, Under the Duvet because that's exactly what I'm doing. I'm just telling you stories from underneath my duvet like a bit of a fucking weirdo. Although I guess it's like probably the optimal form of self-isolation. Social distancing. Nobody can get to me under my wee duvet. But uh, aye, thank you very much for listening and uh, goodbye.